My name is Annie Lobert, and I'm a champion survivor of trafficking to tell you that God can heal you from any hurt that's ever happened to you. If he can do it for me, he can do it for you too. Hi, friends, and welcome to Annie's Pink Chair, where we invite presence, inspire purpose, and ignite passion into people's hearts with God's love throughout the world. I want to thank you for coming on today because I have such a special message just for you. Well, I don't know, you might not receive it, but I'm going to definitely receive it. I was thinking today when I got up, doing my devos about serving and what that looks like and why I'm getting up every single day doing what I do. And it prompted me to think about the first time that after I got out, some of you don't know my story, so I'll share it really fast. I used to be in the sex industry as an escort, exotic stripper, and then a call girl on the Las Vegas Strip. I would never call myself a prostitute because I didn't consider myself a prostitute at the time. I, in my life, about six months to a year after getting into it, I met this boyfriend in Minnesota and I brought him with me to Las Vegas. And the first night that I worked, I became an official sex trafficking victim. He took all my money and beat me up for five years. He had underage girls come and live with us. I helped those girls escape. Yes, I did. There was a call in my life way back then. And then I left him and got with another man that was just as abusive. So for 10 years on the Las Vegas trip, I was trafficked as a high-class call girl. If you would have seen me walking in the casino, you would have said, oh, wow, that girl's pretty. She's cute. Look at her nice clothes. Look at her designer bag. Oh, my gosh. Boop, boop. Look at her cute car. She's got an alarm on her car. She's driving a Benz. She's driving a Mustang 5.0 with a drop top. Got the seats all decked out in leather with pipeline interior. And yes, believe me, honey, I look like I had it going on like Donkey Kong. But inside, I was dying. Inside, I was trying to find love to fill the huge gaping hole inside my black heart. And I call it black because that's how I felt at the time in my life. There was such darkness around me because after I initially got trafficked that very first night, everything seemed to go downhill from there. Well, guess what? Eventually, I came to the very end of myself and I'm happy to say that I overdosed I know that sounds weird to say, oh, I'm happy to say, yes, I'm happy to say on August 2nd, 2003, 20 years ago, baby, I overdosed on cocaine and I cried out to Jesus because Jesus was in my life when I was a tiny little girl and I never forgot him. And I truly believe everybody, yes, I'm going to say this, some of you might not believe this, that Jesus was with me in every single room that I turned tricks in. Every single time I took my clothing off and danced totally nude, he was with me. The angels were around me because way back then as a little tiny girl, I invited him into my heart and I don't think he ever left. So I wanted to talk about the first time I called a church. Obviously I overdosed, I got out of the lifestyle and I started thinking about reaching out to the girls that were like me. There was no one out there doing this work. Nobody was serving 
the sex industry girls. There was no one serving the sex trafficking victims. I decided way back then, I felt so called and so compelled to go back out onto the Las Vegas Strip in the beautiful casinos, in the five-star and four-star hotels to go reach those girls where I once was, sitting at the bar, going up and down the elevators, walking back and forth from casinos, walking on the carpet, that's what they call it, catching dates, turning tricks, having all my money taken by a pimp, getting beat down for looking at another man or beat down for saying the wrong thing or beat down for disrespecting my pimp. That's what my life was like. Beautiful clothing, diamonds on my finger, beautiful cars, but broken and empty inside. I don't care what mansion I would live in or what nice house I had or furniture. The emptiness and the pain and the complex trauma was absolutely 100% real. People say, oh, you know, you enjoyed that lifestyle. I mean, Annie, it was a choice, wasn't it? You got into the sex industry by your own choice. Initially, yes, it was. But you have to remember something. I had a very big background in trauma, complex trauma, in fact, which is where someone is being traumatized day in and day out and they can't escape. They can't escape the severe abuse, emotional abuse, physical abuse, and even sexual abuse. They cannot escape it. You don't need to have all three of those things to have complex trauma, but it can develop. Anytime a child is in an atmosphere where the child does not feel safe from day to day, you can develop complex trauma. And I had that, didn't know it. My pimp knew it. He saw me walking in a mile away. When he first met me, I totally spilled my guts to him. Told him all about what I was doing on the side, that I was doing tricks on the side, making extra ends meet, you know, because I wanted to go to college, wanted to open up my own jewelry store, wanted to be my own entrepreneur one day. He thought that was so smart. And of course, naturally, he thought this is going to be an easy one to get. You know why? She just told me she didn't like her daddy. She just told me her daddy wasn't very nice to her. She just told me her dad would beat their mom in front of her. Yeah, I shared that with him because I felt I could trust him. I felt like he was a safe person, even though I had no idea that the ingredients to this man was a trafficker, a.k.a. pimp, a sex trafficker. So when I called that church, you could just about imagine what was going through my mind. Are they going to judge me? Are they going to say, oh, sorry, you can't come into a church like this. Our women won't appreciate a girl like you walking in, whether you've given your life to Jesus or not. You're too pretty to be in here. You might look at their husband and flirt with their husband and wink at him and look too sexy maybe. Oh, those thoughts run through my mind. I also thought, hey, I might run into one of my former clients. Trust me, my friends, it's happened. I've seen several at church. But listen, I wasn't going to let that stop me because guess what? If they could go to church, so could I, right? Why couldn't I go to church? So I made that phone call. I'll never forget. I said, Pastor so-and-so. In fact, it was Pastor John. Hey, Pastor John, I've got kind of a background past. I'm not sure if a girl like me could come and step into a church like yours. And so funny because he was from Minnesota where I was from. 
He said, no, you are absolutely welcome here. You come, you come join the worship, you come listen to the message and hey, hang out with us, eat with us after. So they had food after church. When I went in there, I didn't feel like everybody was staring at me and I didn't feel judged, not from that church anyway. So they welcomed me like a real church should with open arms and no judgment. They didn't sit there and look at me like, oh, she's nasty, she's dirty. You know, we need to teach churches because girls are coming now. Boys are coming now. Young girls are coming. Young men are coming. And even middle-aged women and middle-aged men coming out of the sex industry. They're coming into your potential church. What are you going to do when they get there? Are you going to look at them up and down and give them the third degree about their lifestyle? You're going to ask them if they turned a trick recently? You're going to ask them if they're on drugs? You're going to ask them if they got their healing? You're going to ask them if they need deliverance? Listen, my friends. A lot of the times when people start going to church in the very beginning, there's a lot of trauma involved with coming out of the sex industry. And those questions might not be the wisest to ask them. And I'm going to tell you why. Usually when we come in, we just want to hear a good message. We just want to be in the presence of God. We don't want to be drilled or asked what we're doing right now or where we've been or details of our story. It's not very trauma-informed to do that. Trauma-informed simply means this. Since we're talking about Christianity, let's get into it, okay? Trauma-informed actually means love-informed. It means you are aware of the trauma that they've been through. You understand the triggering that can happen. You understand that they've been severely abused. It could potentially trigger out. So in other words, really being trauma-informed is just understanding like Jesus does. Jesus did and does and will understand. He is the original trauma-informed care model in my personal opinion. Because when I read my Bible for the first time, when I read my New Testament, what I saw was a loving person walking up to that woman stuck in adultery, telling everybody, hey, he is without sin. Go ahead and cast the first stone. And they couldn't throw a rock at her. They all dropped their rocks and walked away. The oldest to the youngest. Makes you wonder, right? Why the oldest to the youngest? Probably because the oldest person had the most sin. Longest record, perhaps. We'll never know until we see Jesus in heaven. But what I do know is this. When I read the words of the gospel, that I was going to go to heaven if I believed in Jesus, and that he died for my sins, and that his blood covered everything that I had ever done, everything that I was currently doing, and everything that I was going to do, that I had mercy every single morning renewed by him, that he loved me right where I was at, right? That true worship is taking care of the widows and the orphans, says in James, don't forget. Yes, true worship serving is taking care of widows and orphans. I started thinking about that. Wait a minute. Widows and orphans. 
What does God really mean by that? Well, listen, that could mean a lot of different things. For me, that personally meant that I was an orphan because my dad, my dad was gone. I felt like I was alone. And then the widow part, the men that were in my life that were abusive, they were dead to me. So I felt like I had lost my potential husbands. I was completely heartbroken. So when I read that scripture, it reminded myself of me. That guess what? People that are Christian, that are in a church, that are part of a group of believing Christians, should be helping the ones that are orphaned and that are widowed. And that looks like a lot of different people, not just a real physical orphan or a real physical widow. There's people out there, my friends, that are hurting. And that's what I wanted to talk to you about today. You know, a lot of times we judge what we see on the outward appearance of the person. And we think by what they're wearing, oh, that girl has a lot of makeup on. Oh, that girl has a lot of hair colors in her hair. Oh, she shouldn't be wearing that tight black shirt right now. That looks like, you know, I can see everything. You're judging. You're just doing the judgment. You're doing the judge, jury, sentencing. Well, that girl needs deliverance. That girl doesn't really know who she is in Christ. Because if she did, she wouldn't wear any makeup. She wouldn't have her hair colored like that. She wouldn't be wearing those bright colors. She wouldn't have that bright studio. Wrong. Mm -mm. This is me. This isn't sin to me. Okay. This is my personality. This is like a whole vibe, a look, a brand. It's my little creative artwork piece. Okay. I've always loved pink. I've always loved these fancy colors in my hair. Got the blue and the fuchsia going on, a little bit of purple, a little bit of blonde going on. Hey. And you know what? I love it. I feel home in the way I look. Is it from my trauma? Is it from my childhood that I wear these colors? Maybe. But you know what? I'm going to let the Holy Spirit inside of me convict me of that. And when he tells me, Annie, take off that makeup. Annie, stop wearing those bright colors. Annie, stop getting your hair done. Then I'll do it. But right now, I'm waiting to hear something. Don't hear nothing right now. I think God is way more understanding than all of us realize. He knows my heart. He knows my trauma. Just like he knows your heart, your background, your childhood, and your trauma. And I don't judge you. I've got my story filleted out here like guts on the table. And everybody can pick through them and say, oh, man, I see that dark part of her story. I see that, you know, this, I see that. And I hear her turn, tell, talking about turning tricks and, you know, being trafficked and, you know, cussing and swearing and drinking and doing drugs. And yeah, you do hear that. But you shouldn't judge me by that. You shouldn't judge my heart thinking that I'm always going to be like that. Have you ever heard of redemption? Because I have. Last time I checked, Jesus died on the cross for my sins. Last time I checked, my sins were nailed to the cross. Yep. Nice little ransom note right there. And he's my lawyer. And he defends me. And his blood covers me. And when God sees me, I am not hot toast like I should be. Right? I really thought that in the beginning, my friends, that I was supposed to walk in church and burn up in two seconds. But nope, that first church that I went to, 
in Las Vegas, Sin City, they call it, right? I call it Grace City, City of Lights, okay? That that church loved on me and showed me true forgiveness, true acceptance. They didn't question my background. They didn't try to pick up my story, pick it apart and say, well, this part changed and this part was different. And you don't remember that part because you don't remember that part. It must not have happened. No, no, no. Trauma looks like a bunch of different things, okay? There's parts of my story that I have never shared that I will be sharing in the future. And even right now, things that people have never heard. But that doesn't mean I'm a liar just because I never shared them before. Maybe I didn't feel like it was time yet. We got to give people grace and learn how to allow people moments to share who they, where they've been, who they've been, and what they are now. It says in 1 Corinthians 3, 11 through 15, according to the grace, the special endowment for my task of God bestowed upon me like a skillful architect and master builder, I laid the foundation and now another man is building upon it. But let each man be careful how he builds upon it. For no other foundation can anyone lay that which is already laid, which is Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. But if anyone builds upon the foundation, whether it be gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, the work of each one will become plainly and openly known, shown for what it really is. For the day of Christ will disclose and declare it. What that says to me, my friends, it's uh, we can't hide nothing. We can't hide any of our motives and why we're doing what we're doing. Then it says, because it will be revealed with fire. Fire purifies things, right? And the fire will test and critically appraise the character and worth of the work each person has done. Wow. <laughs> so what? God's going to judge my motives? Yep. Show is. Then it says, if the work which any person has built on this foundation any product of his efforts, whatever, survives this test. He will get his reward. Yay! <laughs> some of us are getting some big fat crowns in heaven. Some of us are going to get some big fat mansions in heaven. Then it says, but if any person's work is burned up under the test, he will suffer the loss of it all, losing his reward. Though him, he himself will be saved. So in other words, he's not saying that you're not going to be saved. It's just that your work, if it's done on the wrong motive, it's going to be burned up like straw. Then it says, but only as one who has passed through the fire. Do you not discern and understand that you, the whole church at Corinth, are God's temple, his sanctuary, and that God's spirit has his permanent dwelling in you to be at home in you collectively as a church and also individually? If anyone does hurt to God's temple or corrupts it with false doctrines, Oh my gosh, that's why you guys got to make sure you're going to a right church. You're not going to a false doctrine church that says that, you know, all prostitutes are going to hell. There are words and scriptures in the Bible that say that actually we're going to go to heaven before some certain people are. The kingdom of God's going to come to us and be with us before certain people are. If you're going to judge people. Yeah, I'm paraphrasing that part of the Bible, but it does say that that we're going to have the kingdom of God before they do. It says, God will do hurt to him and bring him to the corruption of death and destroy him. Oh, 
Oh, man. Oh, I didn't want to say that, but I did because that's what the word says. It says, for the temple of God is holy, sacred to him. And that temple, you, me, you're the temple. I'm the temple. The believing church and its individual believers are. Let no person deceive himself. If anyone among you supposes that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool. Oh, man, that's good, right? Let him become a fool. Let him discard his worldly discernment and recognize himself as dull, stupid, and foolish. (laughs) Without true learning and scholarship, (laughs) that he may become really wise. For this world's wisdom is foolishness, absurdity, and stupidity with God. For it is written, he lays hold of the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts and reasonings of the humanly wise and recognizes how futile they are. Again, I'm quoting the word of God. I'm sorry if I offended you. So... If we think we're wise in God's eyes and you think you've read a couple scriptures and now you know the whole Bible and you know how to judge people and you know how to separate the good from the evil, you really don't. You might have an idea. You might have a little direction because you have the Bible in your hands and the scriptures. But ultimately, whatever we do in our own motives for our own reasoning, our human, human motives to get recognition, to be popular, to get everyone's attention, to have power and authority, to be a leader. Look, you're, you look good in front of everybody. That's all going to burn up. That's what it says here. It's going to all burn up. And we're going to be left with nothing but straw. But if we're doing things with the right reason, it's going to be purified. And what's going to happen? It says in the word later that our motives are going to be tested. And if it comes out, It's going to be a reward. Turn into pure gold. Your motives will be tested by God. I don't need to test your motives, but God will test your motives. And, you know, sometimes we can talk all day long about, oh, I do this and I do that. And I've been doing this and I've been, you know, and I can hear myself, my own self talk like that sometimes bragging about I've been doing it this long and da, da, da. You know what? I think that sometimes that's like a reaction because I'm not sure people understand how hard this work is that we do at our agency working with trafficking victims. We have several safe houses and we have three little mini apartments. How difficult it is. And I just want to make sure that they know I'm an expert in my field. And yeah, maybe that is a little fleshy sometimes, but God knows my heart. He sees my heart reason that I'm saying that. And I just want to encourage you today, friends, our time's almost done right now, that when you're doing something to serve people, are we doing it for God's purposes? Are we doing it to help people? I know my motives. My motives are simply this. I want to help the same people where I was once stuck. That is my motivation. I want to help them get unstuck and show them the joy and happiness that I have now and freedom that I'm living in my life. That's my motives. I want to introduce them to the freedom and love of Jesus because Jesus is one that really set me free. He is my prize and he is my beautiful possession that I brag about if I can on a daily basis. So if you felt 
that uh, you've listened and watched and you got a little offended, you're just going to have to take it up with God. Because sometimes the word does offend us. And I was reading this scripture today and I was like, whoa, that's a little offensive, but in a good way is to check the motives of the heart to make sure that we're not stuck in a place where we're repeating the same behavior for getting the, you know, doing the right things for all the wrong reasons and getting the wrong result. We want to do this for the right reasons, right, friends? And lastly, it says in 1 Peter 3, 3 through 4, the hidden man of the heart, let not yours be the merely external adorning with elaborate interweaving and nodding of the hair, wearing of jewelry or changes of clothes, but let it be the inward adorning and beauty of the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible and unfading charm of a gentle and peaceful spirit, which is not anxious or wrought up, but is precious in the sight of God. And that's the amplified version, of course, one of my favorites, like Joyce Meyer. Let our attitude and our motives be for the right reason, the heart wisdom, the God reason, the reason why we live and breathe every day to help others out of the position that you once were in. I think you should pray about it and take that to heart. I know I have, and I have to wake up every day and make sure I'm doing this for the right reason. So let's pray right now. Father God, I just thank you for my friends that are watching right now and listening. And we just lift up this whole study to you, the attitudes and motives of the heart and why we serve. And we just ask that you convict us, Lord, and that you cleanse us of any ill motives or wrong intentions, Lord. And Clean my heart and create me a new person. And I say this for my friends too that are watching, creating them a clean heart. We just thank you right now, Lord, for your sacrifice, Jesus, and all the things that you've done for us. And right now we're going to pray too for people that are watching or listening. If you've never known Jesus, today is your day. It's your special day. You can just pray right now if you want Jesus to live in your heart and you want to start working for Jesus and doing things for him. You just got to believe that he died for your sins, that he rose from the grave on the third day, and that he was raised into heaven, resurrected, and he's alive today as we speak, and he sent his Holy Spirit to live inside of your heart. You just got to pray that, Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins. I believe that you were risen from the dead, and you're with God on the right hand of the Father. And I just want to ask you for forgiveness for my sins. Come into my heart and live. Change me from the inside out and show me how to live my life this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, if you prayed that prayer, I want you to email us. You can email us at info at hookersforjesus.net. And don't forget, you want to follow us on Instagram and Twitter, you can go to pinkchair.org and click on our socials and follow us. And also hookersforjesus.net. Friends, Thank you so much for listening today. I want to invite you next week to come back and visit me again on Annie's Pink Chair. I'll see you next time. We really need your support. We can use your support. Please join us in this fight. It doesn't take that much. You can give it for coffee for the day. You can give up that country ride you're going to take with your friends or, or that weekend vacation. Give us a support because we are in need 
of monthly donors just like you. And by you giving a dollar or more or a thousand dollars from a dollar to 10,000, whatever that looks like, you are going to be changing someone's lives. And our lives that we work with are precious. Please join us today and go to pinkchair.org, click on donate, join us in the fight against sex trafficking. My name is Annie Lobert, and I'm a champion survivor of trafficking to tell you that God can heal you from any hurt that's ever happened to you. If he can do it for me, he can do it for you too.